Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, and welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. This is 2023 Best of and Unheard Bits, so far, part two. In this episode, we will listen to some of our favorite moments, plus some bits that didn't quite make the initial airings. Joining me tonight are Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, Michelle Wojcikowski, Devine Kerr, Ward Morrow, Polite Kitty, Gina Brown, David Kay, Joshua Postel, and A.A. Ron. A lot's been going on in the past week. Marjorie Taylor Greene was denied the ability to speak in a committee hearing after it was ruled that she violated decorum. There wasn't a lot of blowback from conservatives because it was the one thing they always like, a woman being told that she can't speak. (laughs) This is the same Marjorie Taylor Greene whose appearance in New York City defending Donald Trump during his arraignment went so bad that I've seen New Yorkers give less of a shit when a comic has handed them a comedy show flyer. 
<laughs> the fan voting for this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions is almost over. Leading in the fan voting is George Michael. George Michael. There are people voting for George Michael to go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. People who say they like rock and roll and listen to George Michael are the same people whose idea of a party is staying at home on a Friday night and crying while bleaching their asshole. Franklin Graham, the son of evangelist Billy Graham, is going on a tour this summer. The tour is called God Loves You. The tour is supposed to stop in Maryland, at which time Franklin Graham will look around and change the name of the tour to God Has Forsaken You. Fuck this. (laughs) Just a few hours before we started recording, a civil jury in New York City found Donald Trump guilty of the sexual abuse of the writer E. Jean Carroll, who will be awarded a total of $5 million. This is the first time that a former president of the United States has been found liable of a crime by ordinary American citizens, not on Reddit or the dark web. (laughs) Congressman Matt Gaetz says he plans to file charges against a woman who threw his drink at him. That's an interesting turn of events. Matt Gaetz, a woman and alcohol, and Matt Gaetz is not the one under investigation? (laughs) Matt Gaetz was admittedly taken aback because, for once, he wasn't the predator with the drink. I, for one, don't find this story believable. How is he around a woman old enough to drink? (laughs) (laughs) This is the final episode before the United States is projected to go into default if we don't reach an agreement on the debt limit. In other words, this is the last episode before we as a country start selling our plasma and sperm so we can finally pay for those Trump tax cuts from five years ago. (laughs) A few hours before the recording of this episode, the White House and congressional Republicans agree that today's debt ceiling meeting ended well. And by ending well, they mean their respective workplaces didn't get torched by another insurrection. There is the possibility that Joe Biden could enact the 14th Amendment, which says that the United States must pay its bills in order to avoid a national financial crisis. This will lead to Republicans trying to repeal the 14th Amendment, not only for the debt ceiling, but also to repeal protections put in place for non-white people, which will be an added benefit of lightening the workload for the Supreme Court. (laughs) A 19-year-old man was arrested after crashing a U-Haul truck into a barrier in Lafayette Park in DC, just outside the White House. Uh, He was found in possession of a Nazi flag, which explains why the police didn't stop him sooner. Oh, oh, oh. wow. (laughs) Lauren Boebert and her husband are filing for a divorce. It looks as though he's going to have to go back to the bowling alley to find his next significant other. (laughs) (laughs) Comedian Chrissy Mayer mentioned in her act in Dallas that the trans activist Dylan Mulvaney should still be classified as a male because Dylan still has a penis. That shocked me to read that. I didn't know Chrissy Mayer did comedy. (laughs) A deal to raise the debt ceiling and avoid defaulting on the country's bills was reached by the president and Congress and signed into law. South Carolina Republican Nancy May said they got fleeced by a president who, quote, can't find his pants, end quote. Given that one of her conference members is Matt Gates, misplacing one's pants is the last thing she should bring up. 
Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes was sentenced to 18 years in prison for his role in the attack on the Capitol. That's 18 years of his cellmates thinking of all the creative things they can do with the hole where his left eye used to be. (laughs) That will be 18 years of Stuart Rhodes being stormed and invaded during his supposedly peaceful transition into life as a prison inmate. (laughs) (laughs) Donald Trump was charged with 37 counts in a federal case relating to keeping classified documents and refusing to return them. He reportedly kept some of the boxes of said documents in his bathroom. To be fair, I also keep documents with Donald Trump's name on them in case I run out of toilet paper. (laughs) It could be worse. Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's bathroom contains throw rugs made of the hairs of his victims. Oh, for legal reasons, I have to say that's not true (laughs) to the best of my knowledge. (laughs) The Northeast and Mid-Atlantic portions of the United States were covered in smoke from wildfires in Quebec, with the sepia air coloring, the turning back of women's health care and voting restrictions for people of color. It's one step closer to when Trump supporters thought America was great again. (laughs) (laughs) Televangelist Pat Robertson has passed away. Thanks to his placement in the afterlife, his new show will be called The 666 Club. (laughs) with pat robertson gone 700 may now refer to the number of total criminal charges donald trump faces (laughs) Mm. Uh, michelle i believe congratulations are in order on your end oh i guess i should say why (laughs) i thought it was just because i'm awesome Lord, how have you been lately? Uh. <laughs> I have so, no shameless uh, self-promotion. <laughs> I I found out, well, I found out over a week ago I was able to announce I am the 2023 award winner of the Arlene Eisenberg Memorial Award. It's one of the top awards given out every year by the American Society of Journalists and Authors for articles that made a difference. And it was on a an article I wrote about physical therapy in indigenous communities, um, Native American and Alaska Natives, um, for the American Physical Therapy Association's magazine. And that's a lot to basically say that um, because of the article I wrote, they one place was able to use it and uh, get a grant for their facility that helps um, provide healthcare and physical therapy to. Um, they told me to use the term American Indian. Um, a lot of people use Native American, um, but it 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 helped in a lot of ways. And they're trying to basically get a lot of people of color to start providing this care because uh, Native Americans don't trust white people as much. I can't imagine why they only stole the whole country and gave them, you know, um, blankets filled with um, smallpox, but. I don't trust white people either, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) Who who trusts white people? Let me know. (laughs) I know. Oh, so thank you. Yay, good for you, Michelle. So proud to know you. Who says you can't go home again? New Yorkers to Donald Trump, of course, as these clips of protesters along Trump's motorcade during a recent visit to New York City show us.
is actually the sound inside a comedian's head the very first time he steps off the stage during his first New York City open mic. (laughs) (laughs) I know when the uh, shooting here in Pittsburgh, the the Tree of Life Synagogue, uh, Trump uh, and uh, Melania came to Pittsburgh to lay wreaths at the uh, uh, at the church uh, or at the synagogue. No one in Pittsburgh wanted him here. the The mayor asked him not to come. Uh, the The county executive asked him not to come, but he decided to come anyhow. And we gathered. Um, uh, it was October twenty seventh, I believe, was the date. Uh, we gathered. And uh, thousands, thousands of people gathered to stand in protest against him. And when his motorcade came past us, everyone in the crowd turned their back in silence and turned their back to his uh, motorcade. And it was probably like one of the, it was like, it, it, it felt to me like it was one of the my 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 most my strongest political statement that I'd ever made was to turn my back on the motorcade as it came by. I mean, I can I can pull Democratic levers all year, all, all every election, but to to be able to be there and and see the president's car go by, and to be able to well, I had to look over my shoulder because <laughs> I had my back turned to him. But uh, it, it was the you could just feel the you could feel the strength in everyone's the, the way we felt about it. It was just it, it really was. It was a, it was a, a very powerful moment. At least it was for me. So but to see those people out there screaming and yelling at him at the arraignment, I, I, I wish we could see more and more people do that. Uh, and I wish it's, it's a shame that more and more people didn't come out as a counter protest in January, on January 6th of 2021. Um, That's very powerful, David. Thank you for sharing that. Well, it it was, it was a, it really was, it was an emotional time for us. I mean, that, that presidency really divided our country. And uh, um, to think that people continue to um, support him after everything that they know about him, it's just, it's just beyond me. Okay, I'm I'm off my high horse now. <laughs> I know well the way the way you described it was it was like you know Trump would be that comic who shows up and like, begs for a guest spot on a show basically. <laughs> and it's going. By the way, speaking of which, David, I'm going to go ahead and send you my avails later on tonight. But uh, I'll go ahead. <laughs> during the entire duration of the lawsuit being covered on Real News as well as what's left of CNN. Fox viewers were left blissfully unaware that their network of choice was involved in a multi-million dollar legal battle, leaving the news of the settlement with these reactions. Show of hands, how many of you had heard about this two-year legal battle between Dominion and Fox before our producer called you? Two of you had heard about it. I was aware um, of the claims that it made against Dominion and, and you know, the allegations of voter fraud more broadly. I just wasn't aware that Dominion had uh, filed a, essentially a defamation suit against Fox. Obviously, Fox made those claims in some capacity and Dominion took issue with it. So, okay, they sued him. What I came away from 
the court filing with was a lot of this is a matter of opinion. This has been over a year, correct? So for them to come to the table with no evidence to back up their claims, that's really frustrating because it's quite frankly, uh, we've had millions of Americans that have been doing their homework since 2020. It's pretty easy to find some uh, funny stuff. I'm wondering how you feel knowing that one of the things that came out during discovery was how different the hosts felt behind the scenes than what they were saying on the air. For instance, when Tucker Carlson said behind the scenes after the election on November 23rd, 2020, he says, I had to try to make the White House disavow Sidney Powell, which they obviously should have done long before. Laura Ingram in her text responds, no serious lawyer could believe what they were saying. Well, I, I lost, I'd lost trust in them prior to that. Um, anyway, when, when uh, Fox was calling out the election, I know a lot of people felt this way. They were calling out the election prematurely for Arizona. And then after that, you know, there's been a lot of talking out both sides of their mouth. There's a certain level of willful blindness, but people see what they want to see. And that's true on the left and it's true on the right. But I don't look to any of the networks, including Fox, as the ultimate arbiter of truth. One more question, show of hands. How many of you will still be devoted Fox watchers? <laughs> I mean, not sure if it's devoted, but I'll okay. still partake. They all sound like they've just come out of a coma that they were, <laughs> that they were in before the remote control was invented. You know, it, it's like watching people who are in a cult, you know, I, it, it's like the, uh, you know, the Manson family or something that they're bringing on and, and saying, OK, you still going to follow Charlie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what. Yeah. Even if he's crazy. Guilty. Yeah. Yeah. We're behind 100 uh, percent. Yeah. He paid, you know, seven hundred eighty seven billion dollars. But but nobody ever actually brought the evidence out. Uh, OK, what Kool-Aid are you drinking? I don't want any. I'm just wondering which of the Fox personalities would be the closest to Charles Manson. I mean, because he plays the guitar, probably Mike Huckabee. I don't think there's any smart enough to even matching Charles Manson. Manson. Like that, that takes planning and strategic, I don't know, strategies. And I'm not condoning murder, but I don't think any can even think that far, you know? Yeah, Manson definitely outplanned him. <laughs> are they going to get on a spaceship or something and go you know it's like wonder what the end game is for these guys i you know i, I can't figure that one out manson did his homework <laughs> that's going to be the official stance of this podcast <laughs> charles manson more thorough than fox news <laughs> <laughs> that's a t-shirt and a bumper sticker <laughs> like and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> Ron DeSantis made his campaign announcement on a live Twitter space with Elon Musk. I was amazed when I read that, that people still go to Twitter for news and accurate information. <laughs> In this clip, we get a sense of what the DeSantis campaign will be like this season with the technical mishaps during the Twitter announcement, an excerpt of which is featured here. Oh. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. We, we've got so many people here that I think we are 
we are uh, kind of melting the servers. So I think we're back online here. Great. Um, all right, well, it's certainly uh, an, an incredible honor to uh, have Governor DeSantis uh, make this uh, stark announcement. Uh, can, are you there? Can you hear us? I think you're pretty, <laughs> I'm right, here. I know. I think I think you broke the internet there. We had over half a million people in one Twitter space, and it was growing by like fifty thousand a minute. So, uh, congrats on uh, on breaking the internet there. <laughs> the internet, Disney. I mean, DeSantis is just breaking a bunch of big, powerful stuff lately. I wonder if anybody saw the irony in, of all things, Twitter trying to cancel Ron DeSantis. <laughs> it, it, watching that it was like watching the launch of um one of elon's rockets you know <laughs> the, the planned disassembly feature and landing on somebody's house it, it's, wonder... it, it's the metaphor all right <laughs> stupid <laughs> despite the recent revelations of the purchase of a government employee who makes a quarter of a million dollars a year the Trammell Crow family is remembered fondly by his son and Clarence Thomas sponsor, Harlan Crow, in this retrospective. My dad came from a very humble background, born in East Dallas in a family of eight kids and father that had work sometimes, didn't have work much of the time. Even though he wanted to become well-educated, he couldn't afford to. And because his family was very religious in a conventional Christian environment, the church offered to pay for him to be educated under the condition that he become a minister, which would have been a completely different life. I think dad did feel because he couldn't afford the level of education that a lot of his friends and his wife did, he overcompensated by lifelong study. I would idealize my parents' relationship. I would say it was damn close to perfect. The kind of couple that when they were apart, which they often were, they would miss each other a lot, write notes and leave notes on pillows and lots of holding hands. You need a balance between hope and realism. It's got to be a synthesis of all that. And I think they were. Part of the whole goal was to succeed as a group of people working together. The idea of if you earn a dollar, you share that dollar. I and mean, it doesn't belong to me, it belongs to us. What he would have cared about much more than any building would have been the company that he built and the people in the company and the lives that were influenced by the activities of the company that would have mattered to him a million times more than any building i mean he got the sharing the dollar part down correct yeah. he, got, he, got... Yeah. he almost sounds like a socialist <laughs> my, my daddy told me to make friends with supreme court justices even boring ones <laughs> and don't hesitate to fund their nieces or their grand nieces high school education at private schools Why? I mean, the way he described his father, I mean, his father, just as a someone who was struggling financially in a large family, would probably look at the type of person his son became as someone who is basically purchasing a top tier federal justice on top of which collecting, you know, Nazi and Hitler memorabilia as someone who is kind of a dick. Yeah. I think that it's the Hitler Nazi stuff because I mean, a part of me thinks is he is not doing a great thing, but 
the person who's in the wrong is Clarence Thomas, not Harlan Crow. I mean, like he's a horrible person for, you know, loving the Nazis and Hitler and all that, or seemingly loving. I, I don't know why else you would collect that memorabilia but the person in the wrong is clarence thomas you know what i mean so maybe he's co collecting it ironically maybe so <laughs> maybe so <laughs> i still come back to like we were talking about the other week you know it reminds me of aladdin you know you've never had a friend like me this guy's got a lot of money and he likes to spend it on people that can give him favors i mean wow who wouldn't want a friend like him it's interesting to find someone like him who's willing to buy not judges, but left-leaning podcasts. I mean, that way I can afford to pay people, starting with myself. Would you take dirty money? Do you take dirty money? Is all money clean? <laughs> Even dirty money? <laughs> as, as many comedy clubs as I've worked with over the years, yeah, that true. money is dirty, literally, figuratively, <laughs> metaphorically. Even Venmo, I still look at some of it and go, Ick. Yeah. Ick. Judicial Watch share Tom Fitton tweeted, the FBI is reading your tweets. It's a public internet platform. Everybody can read your tweets. That's how Twitter works. Speaking of not knowing how stuff works, we turn to this interview on Fox back when Tucker Carlson was still on the network where Elon Musk grabs the impact of his newest investment. You bought Twitter famously. You've got a lot of other businesses and a lot going on. Yes. You said you bought it because you believe in speech, free speech. You've had a lot of hassle since you bought it. In retrospect, was it worth buying it? I mean, it remains to be seen as to whether this was uh, financially smart. Uh, currently, it is, it is not. Uh, you know, we just revalued the company at less than half of uh, the acquisition price. you really... Yes. Um, <laughs> um, no, it, my, my timing was terrible for, for when the uh, offer was made because it was uh, you know, right before advertising plummeted. And, yeah. um, you, you caught the high water mark, I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So I must be a real genius here. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of that clip is the fact that it's two white men and they're sitting around basically admitting they don't know how stuff works advertising revenue died because he bought it have you seen the quality of the ads in your twitter feed it makes me think that it costs about five dollars to if you have five dollars cash he'll let you infect somebody's twitter feed maybe we should all to put some ads in there i mean for cheap we could turn it over <laughs> Just I'm don't like the idea of giving him money. That's the problem. Yeah, ag agreed, agreed, agreed. My favorite part was when Tucker Carlson started laughing. He's like, you did. He's like, yeah, it's valued at half. And Tucker's like, it is. Yeah, that is the only moment I have ever enjoyed that man. And Thanks. I kind of want to like, I kind of just want to see it on repeat. Like, yeah. uh, Same. <laughs> I think the only time I ever enjoyed uh, Tucker Carlson is when he was getting dressed down in a in a store in Montana, and that's the only time I've ever uh, you know someone was addressing him and just talking down to him. That's the only time I liked him. Um, well, in one part of that interview was a part that I didn't air. Uh, Tucker Carlson uh, reminded Musk that you know he fired a bunch of people from you know not only their safety staff, their technical support staff, but 
Also, I think he got rid of their human resources department. Mm-hmm. And when he was doing that, you could see Tucker thinking to himself, why couldn't I work for a company like that where there was nobody basically checking everything I'm doing and saying? <laughs> yeah. Kind of did for a really long time. <laughs> they turned a blind eye until that lawsuit came to biting on, yeah. on the butt. And then they right. said, you know what? We should get rid of this over here. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> causing problems. We got to get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. As That's an what... HR person, I, I feel obligated to point out that HR does a lot more than just the, you know, political correctness police. So uh, things like payroll uh, and stuff like that, compliance, legal compliance for employment law. So mm-hmm. I, I just uh, there's there's a lot uh, to wrap up in that decision to just completely eliminate that department. Well, if you did work for Twitter, now there's no HR department, so you could put it on your resume that you are director of whatever relations and Twitter, and no one can go back check. Who's going to call me? There's no HR there. So if you worked at Twitter and you got fired, you could say, yeah, I was lead program designer for this part of Twitter. And people will just go, sure, I'll just hire you. There you go. But before we go, my final thought. I Googled my name recently, and it told me to turn off safe search mode. It then suggested I look up something more viewer-friendly like two girls, one cup. With all the jokes comedians are making about Elon Musk, it seems as though it is getting to the point where we are all just punching down. If we think of Twitter as a car driving on the road, then Elon Musk is the deer that jumps out, runs into it, and fucks up the bodywork. Thus, making jokes about him is the equivalent of taking your car and running over the wounded deer repeatedly. Both instances sound extreme, yet in Musk's case, it would be funny as hell. Of course, we have to recognize that we still need Twitter, because if TikTok ever shuts down, then how are comedy clubs ever going to know who to book to draw on a bunch of brain-damaged dolts who are willing to part with $20 on a two-drink minimum without getting comedy advice from someone like Elon Musk? who is still trying to work out how to tie his own shoelaces and whose idea of comedy stems from the fact that Elon Musk's voice and laugh sounds like Yakov Smirnoff and counts among his biggest supporters, Joe Rogan, who was known as the sixth funniest cast member of the TV show news radio <laughs> after Andy Dick and Phil Hartman's corpse. <laughs> Good night. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, Michelle Wojcikowski, Devine Kerr, Ward Morrow, Polite Kitty, Gina Brown, David Kay, Joshua Postel, and A.A. Ron. Theme music composed and arranged by Euron Vandenherick. Executive producers Tom Myers, Matt Connerton for IPM Nation, and Eddie Carson for Odyssey Radio. Please leave a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast's Patreon for extended episodes, bonus clips, and more. Thank you for listening, and please visit TomMyers.us.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Ace. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.